Paul's final words include telling Timothy to be a man, to endure suffering, and, not a surprise, preach the word. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. Welcome, like, subscribe, comments. We are in the second letter to Timothy. Timothy. Yes. Some good comments, by the way, recently. Been enjoying reading those, Mm -hmm. benefiting from these videos. Yep. Yeah, if you are, let us know. If you have questions, let us know, and we we will call you a heretic, and then we'll answer your question. Most likely. Yeah. No, no, we love you. We love you. We're in Second Timothy. Great book. Pr- probably Paul's last words. Sad. Paul seems to know he's going to die. He seems to be aware of that, that he's he's going bye-bye soon. Yeah, I wonder if there's like literally just a guard at his cell with an axe or what, you know? He's <laughs> like, like hurriedly like, writing. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Um, but we are in the Pauline epistles, so Paul's letters. We are in what's what are known as the pastoral epistles. So the pastoral epistles are first, second Timothy and Titus. They're written to Timothy and Titus. Paul's prototype. So yeah, everyone else's letters pretty much are named based on who wrote them. So first, second Peter, first, second, third John, James. But for Paul, he wrote so many, they're they're based on who he's writing to. So this is a letter to Very distinguished. Um, Timothy. So Timothy is his son in the faith. He's He's very close with him, right? We saw more about him in the last book, 1 Timothy. Um, But now he's writing a follow-up to that and, yeah, sort of giving these last... And I I see this as so important because these are kind of his last words. So this is what matters kind of the most to Paul to leave behind for a fellow pastor. Right. And it's interesting to me that it's it's just as much interesting what he doesn't focus on as what he does focus on. Mm -hmm. So I, I know so many people that are caught up in charismatic, you know, uh, theology and that movement. But it's amazing to me that if you're speaking to someone who's a leader in the church, that you would not mention charismatic gifts, the, the miraculous sign gifts at all in this yeah. book. His last words aren't go to all the towns and healing and proclaim. Do healing, yeah, do, yeah, do all these things. And so, it, whereas that is prominent in the earlier writings of Paul, mm-hmm. like First Corinthians, where he's saying these are things that are functioning currently in the church, so manage them well, at the end... There's no focus on that. That's, that's just an astonishing thing. If they should be as prominent as many charismatics say, if right. there should be a school of supernatural ministry where you're teaching yeah. people how to do these things, which also has problems with it, clearly. But don't go to it if you were. Yeah, but, I mean, about Paul's it. focus. Yeah. Yeah, don't, do not go. <laughs> but Paul's focus is on the preaching of the word of God. Mm-hmm. It's on very ordinary, yeah. humble ministry. Yeah. Don't be ashamed. Endure suffering and preach the word. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, sorry, I kind of got ahead of myself here, but t- timing for this, when was it written? Like we said, it's probably Paul's last book. So Paul is in prison. We see that in chapter 1, verse 8. He mentions his imprisonment, and at the end of the letter, he's reflecting on his impending doom, mm-hmm. at least in a physical sense, yeah. right? So he's saying, Drink. verse seven, <laughs> chapter 4, verse 7, um, or sorry, verse six. I'm yeah. ready to be pour, being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a statement! Yeah, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Right? I mean, he's that's awesome. He's like, dude, I've done what God called me to do. Yeah. Please, God, let us be able to say that at the end of our lives. Yeah. 
But so he's probably imprisoned in Rome, according to tradition. He died in Rome. And so last words are so important in the Bible. Mm-hmm. As we're going through Genesis, we're seeing this. Mm-hmm. The last words of Abraham, the last words of Isaac, the last words of Jacob. Mm-hmm. They're so, so important to God's people. And so last words here are also important. Last words of David in Second Samuel. Mm-hmm. So these are his last words, so we take them very seriously. Of course, we take all scripture very seriously, but it kind of gives us some good context. So this is probably written, to answer the question, early to mid-60s, hmm. right, depending on when you'd put place Paul's death. But um, And it's written to give these final instructions, the urgent things, and some big themes are the Word of God, as you already said, suffering, as you already mentioned, endurance and discipline, um, being a, a faithful minister and leader mm-hmm. in the church. Yeah. So it's a really good book. Love it. Let's talk about the outline real quick. Chapter one is Timothy's calling. Chapter two, two enduring for the gospel. <clears throat> chapter three, fighting false teachers. And chapter four, preaching the word. So kind of, kind of all the basics right there, right? Again, it, the, the idea of fighting false teachers is so prominent as well. Mm-hmm. We'll see that in Titus next week. We'll see that in uh, Second Peter, Jude. It's, it's, a, it's a huge theme in, in uh, the New Testament, mm. fighting against false doctrine. So let's get into it. What do you say? I would love to. Chapter 1. Chapter 1. Chapter 1. Verse 5. We get some biographical info about Timothy here, which is kind of cool. So we see that his grandmother is Lois. His mother is Eunice. And um, he's saying these women instilled the faith in you mm-hmm. it's amazing there's no i mean there's no father influence here in terms of the faith so two women that invested generationally in someone that made a huge difference mm-hmm. what, what an encouragement you know i mean and a good reminder for us as as parents the most important important work you may do the most enduring work you may do on this earth may be with those little people in your home yeah that may be the reason why God put you here above everything else is to influence one or two or, you know, yeah. in your case, maybe 15 lies. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> I, think, so, I think four is our max, just for clarity. Okay, okay. <laughs> you never know. Um, but yeah, so a, a really good reminder of how he was invested in and how God is using that now to bear fruit in the life of this church. Yeah. Verse six, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So a lot of people take this to to be an indication that Timothy was timid. Maybe that's reading too much into it, but yeah, yeah. you know, I think there's a good reason to see that. Don't be fearful, Timothy. Don't be afraid. Don't back down from these challenges, but fan that gift into a flame. Mm-hmm. Let it grow. Same same thing we saw in First Timothy, right? Let your growth be evident to all. Mm-hmm. So grow and be confident because God is with you. And has given you his spirit to to give you power and to to you know sanctify your life so that you're self-controlled. Yeah. So a lot of good stuff here. Verse eight, he, sa- he says, Don't be ashamed of Paul's suffering. Right? Don't be ashamed of the suffering that I have as a prisoner, but keep proclaiming the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? Verse nine, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, <clears throat> not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So God's called us. He's predestined us to salvation. That's obviously in view here. And um, 
he's it's not because of what we've done, but because he has a purpose through us and he's shown grace to us. Mm-hmm. So just great encouraging stuff here at the beginning. Oh yeah. Let's look at uh, verse 12 there, chapter 1, verse 12. <clears throat> it says, But I'm not ashamed, for I know what I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So Paul's confidence is on display here, even as he's nearing death. And God's going to be the one who makes his work endure mm-hmm. and guards that work. Oh, yeah. Paul just, again, makes clear, like in First Timothy... Like and I guess Colossians too, like and all those books, I guess. But his purpose as a as a, a minister, you know, he was yeah. saved for a specific purpose. His life is about that purpose, and he's finishing his life with that same purpose. Yeah, you know, it's pretty I cool, love it, man. The, the vision he has for his life <clears throat> and the endurance he has to follow through. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, ver- verse thirteen says, "Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me." Mm-hmm. So he's taught Timothy doctrine, and now follow in that. Um, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Mm-hmm. So this is that's so key in terms of what Paul is trying to do in this letter. Follow my teaching, guard that deposit, pass it on to others. Don't yeah. let my work be fruitless. Mm-hmm. And, and again, a good reminder for us is, as ministers, as people, that all the work we do is about people. It's about people. Right. It's not just about building institutions. I love the work, the institutional work I get to do in the church. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I live for that. Um, but I'm always reminded this is about people. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to just see, you know, um, you know, a good institution built and a good structure and all these safeguards or whatever. I want to do all of that for the service of people and for the furthering of ministry. Right. And that means life on life, yeah. ultimately. So he also mentions how he wants Timothy to come and see him. And we'll see that more at the end. He gives Timothy explicit instructions about what to bring, which, which are kind of interesting. <laughs> chapter 2 talks about enduring for the gospel. So chapter 1 was Timothy's calling. Chapter 2 is about enduring for the gospel. He uses a bunch of, of metaphors here. Well, first I should say 2 Timothy 2, 2, one of my favorite, one of my favorite verses. Uh, it's easy to remember because 2, 2, 2, 2 Timothy 2, 2, you know. Um, he says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Mm-hmm. So I always love this verse because there's multiple generations in view. There's Paul teaching Timothy, Timothy teaching the next generation with a view that that next generation teaches the next generation. Mm-hmm. So you have four generations. And of course, the whole reason for that is not that it stops at the fourth generation. Otherwise, you and I wouldn't be here. Right. It's that they uh, are passing it down with a viewpoint of who's going to receive it next. Right. So there's always that long-term vision for people in the church, especially church leaders, to say, how are we going to make sure the next generation has this gospel? Right. That's part of why we as a church are looking to build leaders from our inception. It's not like once we become you know, 60-year-olds, we're like, hey, we should try to figure out right. who's going to lead. Like, we want to be like doing that. that the whole time. Yeah, that along with lots of procreation. Yeah, lots of babies being born. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully people being saved as well. We are seeing more and more of that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, amen. Babies spiritually and physically. We like both a lot. <laughs> so he gives three illustrations here that all speak to the same kind of general ideas, right? He speaks the soldier metaphor, the athlete metaphor, and the farmer. And all of those speak to discipline and sacrifice. Yeah. You're not going to succeed in any of those things unless you are committed 
you're, you're focused on what you're doing and you're disciplined. You work really hard, mm-hmm. right? Which um, one would you want to be? Uh, athlete. Athlete? Yeah. Not, not soldier, one. definitely. That's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your service if you serve in the armed forces. I, I do really appreciate it, but, you know, that's tough. That's tough. That is life. pretty tough. Athlete. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Athlete in uh, pickleball. Why oh, not? Pickleball. Why not? I don't, I'm not any good at it, but that's what I would do. It's a great sport. What about you? Poker? Professional poker player? <laughs> Golfer. <laughs> that, that's boring. That's sim, basically sim. the same <laughs> level of athleticism. Golf? Yeah, I, take, I, I, I do golf. Yeah. There golf. You go. There you go. But and to be good at any of those things, you have to get up every day, do the right things, sacrifice for a greater purpose, right. for something that is is better. Yeah, it's equating suffering and endurance to to the reward. Yeah, right? yeah, all those involve a lot of suffering. Yeah, to get something good. And so, the greatest example of of discipline and sacrifice is Jesus Himself. Mm-hmm. Right, verse eight. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. So, so he's the one who overcomes death, who, who gives to us life. And, and this, verse 9, this is why Paul is in prison. It's because of his, his teaching and his word about Jesus. But, verse 9, the word of God is not bound. So he's saying, I might be bound. I'm, I'm, in, <laughs> I'm limited. I'm, I'm fallible. I'm weak. Right. But the word of God isn't any of those things. And it's right. going forward. It's moving and it's expanding in the world. Yeah. And uh, what a comfort that is for someone who I've never been in prison, you know, but if you were in prison because of the gospel to say the word of God is still propagating, it's still doing its work, even though I'm here. It's not limited to a certain person or a certain place. Yeah, what was his name? Um, they got in prison for the gospel in Canada. Oh, yeah. James Coates. Coates. Yeah. yeah. Great encouragement. Yeah. So, yeah. Not only is he encouraging his church, but churches worldwide. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So chapter 2, verse 11, interesting little like hymn here or poem. Um, this is this saying is trust or the saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. So big idea here, right, is God's faithfulness to his, to his own purposes to his own character. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a reward for those who endure, for those who have believed in him and died with him. There's a, there's a promise of life. But also there's a promise of if you deny him, if you abandon the faith, that he will deny you, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't endure. And that last phrase, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. It's speaking of his faithfulness to his own character, mm-hmm. to who he is. So God will always be faithful and be the same. And, uh, and so that should shape how we live, right? We should endure because of God's faithfulness. So um, look at verse 15 of chapter 2. Key verse here as well. Do your best to approve yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Hmm. So you're, uh, you're, you know, work hard is a clear idea in this in order to handle God's word correctly. Hmm. It's not by accident that you become competent in handling God's word. It's through discipline, diligence, through repeated um, struggling and working with God's word yeah. over years and years. Right. I feel like the book of Second Timothy should be taught in every uh, American university and the world would be a much better place. 
I mean, I can think of a lot of changes to make the universities that would make the world a better place. Yeah, I guess it doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true to improve what's what's going on there. Um, but yes, no, I, I agree. you know, like I mean, I, let alone like just you know enduring suffering. Like people in the, today's world are just remo- want to remove themselves from any type of suffering. When well, the Christian should embrace it, trusting God, right? But like even the Christian in in a university, like don't be ashamed. Like I feel like that's the vibe I get from a lot of Christians in the public school systems is even even younger yeah. is that they're ashamed. Yeah, you don't need to be ashamed of what God is calling you to and who you are. You know? Yeah. So anyway, that's why I've been encouraged by I always say about our, you know our friends at um, in, in Christian Challenge, yeah. right? The team that's that's leading that like. Those those guys they do not that word ashamed is like not in their yeah. vocabulary. That's awesome. They're they're gonna proclaim God's word. They're gonna take some of the abuse they get. You know, it's not as bad as as what you can make it out to be. Obviously, mm-hmm. but they do have some rough encounters, and they're faithfully proclaiming the word, and they're seeing fruit come from it. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how when you're you're bold when you're when you're focusing on God's word and not on other like human, you know, tricks to get someone in the door. Like mm-hmm. how that brings fruit. Right. Just a simple sowing seeds, doing the hard work. So I'm always impressed by that team. Um, Book of verse 24, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Hmm. So this is the the posture of a pastor, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe this doesn't get you as much, I don't know, attention on Twitter or whatever being kind, even gentle with those who are your opponents, but that is the posture we should have. Right. And of, of course, I mean, there's lots of examples in Scripture of harsh rebukes of false teachers. Yeah. I get that. But it, yeah, I, I, I mean, this should be our kind of default mode. Is I think what he's saying here. We should be looking to do it with gentleness, under control, speaking God's truth and letting the Word of God do the work and not, you know, our own anger or something like that. Yeah, I mean, still, it's in the context of war, <laughs> it's yeah. like and being a warrior, a soldier, and stuff like that. You know, yeah. so yeah, yeah. So we get into more of that, of, you know, fighting false teachers and again, <coughs> metaphorical. Okay, if you don't know that that can, is fighting, can be used as a metaphor. Then you apparently were asleep for the last ten minutes. But <laughs> so I'm saying, fighting false. I'm saying, you know, opposing this false doctrine, and it speaks a lot in chapter three as to what people will look like in the last days, right? That there's times to come where this is what will define people, verses two through four. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And he goes on to this whole right list of things. And so this is the kind of world we're gonna live in. We are in those last days, according to scripture. And so we're, we're gonna see this a lot. He, he brings up some things that maybe are confusing to you here. Verse 8 might be confusing. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in the mind and disqualified regarding the faith. So who are these two characters? Well, historically, the, what they're believed to be are the magicians that opposed, um, that opposed I don't said Jesus. Moses, in, Moses yeah, yeah. in Exodus. What Have you seen the Prince of Egypt? I they actually do have, I think yeah. they actually call them by those names in oh, The really? Prince of Egypt, hmm. the great DreamWorks film, of course, I'm talking about. Hmm. I forget what actors they are. You should look it up. There's some famous actors. But anyway, <laughs> Janice and Jammer, so he's saying these are an example of you know, wicked men, corrupt teachers that are opposing God's word, 
this is how it's been throughout history. And now we have the same thing happening. So be ready for that. Be ready for people that are going to oppose God's word and try to tear down the truth of scripture. So challenges like this are normal to mm-hmm. the faith. Um, they, that's something that we should expect, right? So expect hardship, expect opposition, even expect persecution. Chapter three, verse 12, it says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing thing. So as he's saying his last words to Timothy, he's including, be manly and you're going to be persecuted. It's going to be hard. Get ready for suffering. Right. That's just a, a natural thing. And in fact, Christ is the example. We'll see this more in First Peter, but Christ is the example of this kind of suffering. Yeah. Christ endured persecution. Did you find, did you find this great information about who? No, I didn't find oh, it. Oh, you didn't find it. Oh, yeah. You got you to get better at the Googling, man. I know. Um, We'll, fo- we'll, we'll follow up maybe later with that. That's an important detail as to who these actors are. <laughs> I think I think it's uh, like, uh, let's say it's like, what's what's that uh, Italian guy, the mobster guy? Al Capone. No, Al- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, Al Pacino, you know, or something, something weird. It's uh, someone famous. <laughs> so, but anyway, sorry, we're on serious, serious heavy things here. <laughs> But the answer to all of these false teachings, the answer to all of these challenges, the answer to those who oppose God is Scripture. It's Scripture. Mm-hmm. And we have some of the most important words about Scripture in the New Testament. Uh, scripture is reflecting on itself, so to mm-hmm. speak. Verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So, Again, he's saying this is the answer to that. Continue. And there's just an amazing thing that I think we can easily pass over, which he's saying that from childhood you've been acquainted with sacred writing. So that's scripture. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone would accept that. He's saying you as a kid understood these truths. Of course, Timothy's grown in his knowledge, but this means that a kid can understand scripture. A child can understand scripture. So these are not unclear or overly obtuse things in scripture. There's something that can be understood by normal human language, mm-hmm. right? You can understand them, you can study them. And so here that's what we see with Timothy, that, he, he, that, that scripture is clear and he's understood it. And they're able to change you, to make you wise, to bring you to faith in Jesus. You don't need something else outside of scripture to convert you. Mm-hmm. And then verse 16 and 17, again, some of the most important words about scripture all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Hmm. So so much here, right? Word of God being breathed out. It's, it's the same picture as we see in the creation of Adam. Yeah, it's the author of scripture. Right? He's yeah. breathing it out. So it comes from him. So even though humans are writing it and they're writing it in human ways, using human language and their own personalities are at play. Mm-hmm. God is giving to them exactly what he wants them to speak. Mm. So that's an important idea. The inspiration is the idea there of scripture. And we don't, when we say inspired, we don't mean that scripture is inspired like uh, any other book would be. We're saying it's literally breathed out by God. He says, and it, it's also profitable. It, it can do things. It's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof, for correction. So it's, to train you to be the kind of person God called you to be. And not Mm. only that, but verse 17, that you may be equipped for every good work. Hmm. 
So not only is scripture powerful, not only is it clear, it's also sufficient. It's sufficient to give you whatever you need to follow God. Right. So this is why we would argue heavily <laughs> in our church that the word of God is sufficient for counseling. Yes. No. To help someone through times of depression and struggle, we tend to go so quickly towards psychiatry, towards modern psychology, towards human insight, which can all can be helpful, but we neglect the word of God, mm-hmm. which is sufficient. You're right. It's sufficient. It's able to change the human heart right? when nothing else is. So such an important uh, statement, some of Paul's last words here, and he's pushing us so heavily towards Scripture. Right. Chapter 4, we see the preaching of the Word as the last chapter here. <clears throat> central task of the pastor, the church leader, is preaching. Yep. So if God's Word is central to the ministry, then the central task of the church and of the leaders is the preaching of the word. Yeah. Letting that word and its power and sufficiency go forth and change lives. Right. And so here he says that again. He says, verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What what season was that? Is that talking about? Uh, fall. Fall. Um, fall and not fall. Yeah. Hunting exactly. season, not hunting season. Dang it. Baseball season, which I have no idea when that is. Not base- I, I Summertime? Yeah. Well, clearly, whatever <laughs> season he's talking about, none of those are probably in view, but... What he's saying is be ready all the time. Right. It's either in season or it's out of season. Yeah. So, but be ready no matter what is mm-hmm. the idea. And so he's saying people someday won't want to listen to this. Mm-hmm. So stick to it. Keep teaching the, 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 the word. And then he gives these kind of almost last words here, right? I've finished the, the, the I fought the good fight. I've finished the, fit, the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Mm. So beautiful, beautiful last words. Paul is so confident that God is going to bring him safely home in the end. Right. So we have some some instructions at the end here. We see some relational stuff going on with Demas deserting him and Mark coming back into his favor. He sees how useful Mark is for the ministry after Mark had abandoned him earlier. Right. And yeah, and and he you know does this thing about make sure you bring my books and my parchments with you and my cloak and all these <laughs> things, right? He wants to he wants some reading material. He wants uh, it's great. He's about to die, and he's like, I still got to read. I still got to learn. Yeah, so I got to you know grow. So I love that. And then verse eighteen, he says, "The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen." So God's, he's confident, even though he knows he's facing death, God's going to keep him safe, mm-hmm. ultimately speaking, yeah. right? Spiritually safe to bring him home, to bring him to full salvation. Yeah. And uh, someday we'll look forward to meeting this guy. It'd be an awesome thing. Meeting him in the in heaven or in the new heaven, the new earth, and yeah, having a good conversation with him. Be fun. It'd be way better than this podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> well, maybe. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be pretty awesome. But Paul's like, I listen to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the five people. That's amazing. All right. Pretty much. Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel. We'll see you next week as we continue on through the pastoral epistles.